something it wasn't doing something and i thought i had saved it and i just delete because a lot of times what you can do is you can just delete the track like you originally you can save it and then save as and then you have an original copy of it you can just delete the track that you've saved as and then you've got your original copy that you can work off of again and you can save that as again right and i just didn't do the original i didn't save the original track and just deleted the whole thing but then the thing is, is that I didn't realize that like you could do like control Z, which is like to undo your last move. Oh, really? Right. And I shut the program down and went to look for it in the recycle bin and didn't realize that I had shut the program down and it's gone. Yeah. Right. So essentially the whole hour and 20 minute podcast or recording was like gone. So I was, man, it rocked me for like a whole day. It was uh, it was tough, man, because we had to go to Shona's uh, staff party that right after we finished that that night, right. and I was so like worked up, like I was just amped, and it was just like I don't know. I just, I think God was like trying to show me something in it. What do you think He was trying to show you? I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I don't even know, like just i think i think he was testing my ability to not freak out hmm. you know like lose my shit yeah i get those tests all the time yeah absolutely where i can like there's like like before it was a immediate it could be or would have been an immediate reaction there was this like explosion or this like deep sense of loss or anger deep sense of of offense that's taken place in my life and i would like just explode in anger right it can even happen like now like in when i get talking about a subject that i get all passionate about i I can't think straight and i'm like so worked up in my mind that i can't even speak you know like i'm just you know, and I just like, ah! and that's indicative of sort of what we were talking about last week, you know, the lies. Yeah, like there's something there that's causing this to be a bigger thing than it should it probably be. Warrants, but yeah, 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 so. It's frustrating, man, because like this last week I uh lost I lost a gift that Shona gave me last year for Christmas. She bought me a Leatherman multi tool, like right. a really nice one. It was like hundred and eighty bucks. Wow. And I am like super particular about like where I put stuff, how I treat it, take care of it. I know where it is all the time. 
And when my truck was in the shop, I cleaned my truck out. And my Leatherman always sits in the console in my dash in the top of the inside of the thing in case I need it, right? And I moved all of my stuff from the dash into my work little work bag, my little lunch bag, so that I could have it with me all the time. And I can remember, I don't remember which, which job it was, but I remember taking, needing the multi-tool for some reason. And I think I took it out of the lunch bag, used it, and then didn't put it back properly. Or I put it back and it fell out of the bag or something, and I lost this like very meaningful present. You know, because I know that she like, I don't know, she, you know, it, it just was very meaningful for me because it was something that I really, I love high quality equipment, right? Right. Like when it comes to gear and stuff, like I just bought a new pocket knife. I'm going to grab it and show you. And it's, uh, It's my new EDC, right. and because I've I've used my Swiss Army knife. EDC means everyday carry, but I've been eyeing this knife up for uh, quite a while. It's the Benchmade Bug Out, and the thing I think that drew me to it is I love blue, right? So blue, it's got a blue handle on it, and I've sort of sort of put it off and put it off and put it off and was like, uh, I can't really justify $150, a new knife, you know? Yeah. I have lots of knives, yeah. right? And I've been using my Swiss Army knife as an everyday carry, and it's kind of bulky and heavy, and it's perfect for, like, hunting, yeah. right? Like, I love that thing for hunting because it's got, you know, the little saw on it, it's got the, and it's a good saw, and it's got a sharp blade that I keep razor sharp, can opener, all tweezers, you know, just everything, it's perfect. And so I use that as my sort of carry when I when I hunt um, outside of my full tang, uh, what is it? It is a, I can't think of the name of it right now. The SE4 is my like, that's kind of like my survival knife, right? That's my, that's my go-to knife, right? Anyways. I bought the uh, Benchmade bug out and Benchmade is like makes some of the highest quality knives on the market. And it's, uh, it's just beautiful. Like it's just a beautiful, beautiful knife. And the, the steel is great. The sh I mean, the profile of the blade is exactly what I look for in a knife like this. To me, there's no other shape. Like I would never buy a Tonto shaped knife. Like it's got that sort of, angled it, it to me it just is utility is everything right and and when you mix utility and beauty it's like like that's just and so the action on it like when i say the action because i'm a gun guy the swing on the blade is smooth it there's no looseness it's it's completely stable it's the, the only complaint i have or the criticism i have with this knife is that it's not balanced well um they use a um uh, I was trying to think of the name of these things, but the, the, the handle, oh, there's a name for them. I can't think of it right now, but the handles are plastic and it, it makes the knife very unbalanced. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
in your hand and it's very light. Like the blade is like, it's super light. Like feel how light that is. Yeah. Right. Crazy light. So I guess from a perspective of like carrying weight, that's nice. Um, but I'm more about like, how is this going to last? You know, like, but it's just, it's my pocket knife and, um, that's all I'm going to use it for. I'm not going to be taking it. Like, it's not going to be my like hunting knife or anything like that. Um, so, but anyways, I got it in the mail the other day and I was pretty stoked because yeah, it's, I, I love knives, man. And, and this thing is just beautiful. Like when you look at the, you know, it's got the anodized blue thumb f- holder and the, it's just, it's just a beautiful knife, you know? Anyways, I love stuff like that. It's showing a call. What? That. Why the hell did I start talking about my knife? Well, you're talking about your leather, man. And then you, oh you yeah. Rabbit trail. Totally. Yeah. So the Leatherman, the yeah, and I lost it, and I'm really sad, and like it really bothers me that I lost that, and uh, broke a another gift that Shona gave me was on she gave me a, a beautiful ceramic Starbucks mug for coffee, and I've carried a Starbucks mug with me on my job site for the last two years. Not once has it ever have I ever broken it. And a month into owning this new mug, all of a sudden I bump it and it falls to the ground and it smashes. Like, just give me a break. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. And then with the truck accident and having to repair the truck, that's just really been, just been a real struggle to like keep my peace right. and not feel like I've been, yeah, it's just been a real struggle lately. And I know those sound like, you know, obviously they're first world problems and, and they're not like, major issues in the grand scheme of things but they it really makes you struggle to keep your peace yeah totally right totally well i think that each of us have our internal things that god's wanting to work on and he uses our everyday life you know the things that come up to kind of press on those things this goes into our talk last week like the lies we believe like holy spirit uses everything he can in our day you know so i don't like i get the term first world problems but like our problems are our problems for a reason (laughs) we live in the first world so like there are problems you know yeah exactly they're what that's what God's using to press your buttons to get you to hopefully allow him to go deeper with you to find why, like why did breaking a cup like set me off? Why yeah. It's not why break? did the cup get broken? No. It's why is the, why is the, why is it upsetting me? Yes. Why am I like, why can't I just keep it in perspective and realize it's just a coffee mug? You know, totally. I mean, there's the whole, there's an emotional connection to the gifts and all of that sort of stuff. Right. So, but like it It could be deeper though. Like they're like a fear of disappointing Shona for something or like this person who loves you, gave you a gift and, and you broke it. And now does that represent how you feel? Yeah. Because I didn't take care of it properly. Yes. You know, and I think there is a, there is an aspect to that because, uh, you know, when I lost the Leatherman, I was mad, man. I was like, it ate me up for days. 
like I was going back and trying to figure out where that damn thing was and phoning clients that I worked for. And I was like, have you seen this Leatherman? And, you know, like phone a guy up in, in the Arctic. He's building ice roads <laughs> in the Arctic. We just boarded his house. Yeah. And he's up in the north bo- building ice roads. And I'm texting him like, hey, dude, did you see my Leatherman? Like, <laughs> It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> oh, he was, he was totally cool about it, yeah, you know? Like, I mean, sure it's just a text message, but it just was funny, you know? Yeah. Well, a guy like that probably understands, you know, if he lost his. Yeah. He'd be looking for it, too. But... Yeah, dude. That's that's it. That's, I think, the biggest thing is, for me right now is learning to invite God into those times where I'm feeling that pressure and not to react poorly, not to go to... Like, it's so funny. Like, I, I don't actually sit down and think through all these things. But if when I do, it re- I really seem to, it's like I even start questioning, like, God or, like, myself, my relationship with, like, one little thing goes wrong. And it's like this very subtle internal dialogue that I don't even realize is happening. But it's like I start questioning, like, are you really with me, God? Like, do you really love me? Are you going to make everything work out? Like, and I, it's like this questioning, this doubting almost starts to happen Mm -hmm. without me even knowing it. And, and I start to, it's like, I leave faith for a moment and, Mm -hmm. and I start to feel pressure and, and I'm like doubting God (laughs) internally without realizing it. And then, before I know it, I'm, I've convinced myself, like, oh, it's no big deal if I, like, blow off some steam or whatever. Like, yeah. I got to relax. I got to do something. And I start finding my source. Yeah, you justify I your justi- yeah, my you justify your sin. Yeah. My sin, exactly. Yeah. I go to old sin patterns. Just all It's like all of a sudden I'm doing it, but there's an internal dialogue that's yeah. happening that allows me to go there. So recognizing that and uh, trying to break that cycle, like when I recognizing the pressure I'm starting to feel internally, and then instead of continuing down that road and justifying going ahead into my old sin patterns, being like, God, like, okay, I do not want to do that for the thousandth time. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Like, I, I'm just going to try to stay in my pain here for a moment and invite you into it. And I'm just going to trust you that you're going to work it out. And, it's like, I'm getting better at doing that. But, like, this weekend even, it was a wrestle. Like, I, wo- I woke up early to spend time with the Lord, and I did. And, and so I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. But by, like, 9 a.m., I'm like... I want to watch. I have to work on Sunday. I never work Sundays. I'm going to watch football all day. I'm going to like <laughs> just chill out, eat a bunch out. of shitty food, exactly. and like not do anything. Not do yeah, anything. Yeah. Not think about yeah. stuff. Not yeah. think about like. And so I'm feeling this pressure because like the car. So our car, the mechanic, texted on like Saturday. Uh, this is the landlord's mechanic. Yeah, the landlord's mechanic, he texts and says, 
they have fixed that engine like he has put brand new everything in that thing like it's a brand new car as far as he's concerned for a good deal but like he goes to turn it on and see if the issue's fixed and it's not fixed he has no idea what it could be so him and his guy are working through like every aspect of that car he's doing it all for like no charge for labor and when he finds it he'll fix it and just charge us whatever his cost on parts is Mm. and he's doing all that like free labor right which is an amazing deal and i'm hoping he like he finds the source right but internally i started i could feel myself like getting doubting god doubting anxious like are you really gonna fix this thing is this gonna end up costing us a ton of money it's never gonna get fixed this car's a lemon blah 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 and i'm i'm going into like anxiety fear and doubt all within like seconds and and very like just internally yeah it becomes internal chaos right internal chaos yes which i think most of us would like sort of relate to as anxiety yeah right yeah i mean anxiety i've I, i don't know if this is true or not but i've heard that anxiety is like the number one ailment or illness that people are facing today like it's like a major problem right that's one of the major things that they go and see their doctors for today is anxiety right Right. it's funny because well it's not funny it's (laughs) it actually sucks but um i have been a part of a men's purity group for two years now just finished two years and we're just finishing doing our curriculum for the second time. So we, we did a full year um, of the curriculum and then we did another full year because uh, in the, in the curriculum uh, they're saying that it's up to a three to five year journey to get free from pornography. And uh, you know, there's a, there's a number of reasons that, that, I chose to do that. Um, one was in respect and honor of my wife, um, that I wasn't, that I was doing something to, to, to stop the behavior. But the interesting thing that I've learned through this curriculum, through my desire to break my addiction to pornography, and I've learned that the behaviors that, like when I would reach out for pornography, it would usually or or some sort of sexual stimulation, right? Um, and that can happen in a very variety of ways. It can come through flirting. It can come through. I mean, there's just there's there's just so many ways that 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 itch can be scratched. And what I've learned is that is that there's there's a there's a pathway in your brain and I can't think of the actual technical name of it but it it's like a roadway that's created when you're young and when you are dealing with stressful and anxious situations and I was exposed to sex very early in my life and pornography was a part of my life very early like very young I think I was 
eight, nine or 10 when I probably about nine years old when I first was exposed to pornography. And I know that that's probably not different than a lot of like kids nowadays with phones and stuff and how prolific the internet porn is. Like it's insane. Like I think just the Christian statistics today are 85% of men struggle with pornography or sexual addiction in some form and 50% of pastors today. And I think those numbers are actually pretty conservative struggle with some form of sexual addiction. It's like bondage, right? It's like so prolific in, in our life. And the funny thing is, is the only people that seem to really be talking about it are the seculars, people that are secular people. There's the science behind it is coming out, like how it's affecting our brains. And it's, it's actually destroying our abilities to be intimate with our significant others. Um, we're, they're finding that like, you know, people can get aroused now with just turning their computer on, you know, or like thinking about a specific site or something and they get aroused as opposed to like the actual, you know, touching a woman or being intimate with a woman, right? They're not, they don't, there's no connection there because the pathway has been built, right? That roadway, the connection from, from it being sort of the way that God designed it, a natural expression of love for our wives, there would be no pathway until you were married, essentially. And then once you're married, that that pathway would start to be built between you and your wife. Okay. And so when we make, when we start using sexuality or sex as a, as a coping mechanism or that dopamine, that hit, that, hit of dopamine to make us feel better in the moment we've created the pathway early and we've we've we're relating it to um this is obviously my sort of summation of what i've learned but like we've created this pathway um from our brokenness to the good feeling and so it becomes a roadway and then the, the more we use it the bigger the road gets the easier it is to get there and like for me, like, you know, I would find myself, I mean, back when I was like, before I got saved, before I had my experience with Jesus, I could, I could watch pornography three, four times a day, every day, like no problem. Like that was normal. I mean, it was part of my last marriage. Like pornography was like a part of, like, that's how much it was a part of it is a part of society, right? right? People think that it's normal to watch pornography, that that is like a, a natural expression of sexuality. And it's the enemy's influence in, in society today. It's a perversion of what God created, that it's okay to not have monogamous relationships, that it's okay to sleep around. And, and so we believe the lie and it becomes our our medication in our times of stress and anxiety right it's 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 what we check out and and the same is the same pathways are created with the drinking and with with marijuana and cocaine and heroin and all you know painkillers and all of these things right they're 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 truths to our brokenness when Jesus should be our truth to our brokenness we're substituting 
We're substituting Jesus for Oxycontin, for pornography, for food, for work. Shopping, whatever. Shopping. It's, it's, it's a substitution. It's a false, it's a, it's an idol, right? Yeah. And so we can't escape trauma. We can't escape hurt, pain. Jesus never promised that. He said, we will have troubles in this world. We, I talked with Nick about this last night and we were born into sin. I believe him on that. He, we were born into sin. It's not sin wasn't something we learned. We were born into it. And it was a part of who we are. And, and, and we build and create lies in our lives that actually become so much a part of who we are that we actually identify with them. Like we think that that's who we are. Yeah. And until the veil is lifted, until you begin to see the light, you actually don't know what the light looks like. Yeah. Does that make sense? Hundred percent. Like, there is no way that I could have even comprehended the goodness of God until that veil was lifted, yeah. and it was a work that he that only he did. Yeah. I didn't do any of it. It was like, like I said this before. One day things were black, and then they were white, right. and it's like inconceivable. And so, what happens is 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 that light begins to shine into the dark areas of my heart. And expose lies that I have felt or thought were a part of my identity, like who I am, like bad ret, <laughs> you know, that's just who I am. This is just what I do, you know, and that's shame, yeah. right? Part of my identity was shame, yeah. not guilt. Because sometimes I didn't even feel guilty for the things I did. I just felt like it was who I am. This right. is who I am. Right. And this is what I do. I go to the bar and I drink 16 beers. Yeah. And I spend $500. Or I smoke a quarter ounce of weed a day. Or, you know, all of these, like, things. It's just who I am. And I was good at it. And some of those things I think God just supernaturally breaks off desire for some of that stuff but i think a lot of it most of it is a journey and a work and a process of discovery and it's a painful journey i told nick last night that you know we were talking about a little bit about evangelism and i got a little bit distracted because i get triggered when i see there's a lie here right because last time you talked about evangelizing downtown I got all worked up and I was like I'm not going to be a part of that da, 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 you know like and what the, the point that I was trying to make was that when we're evangelizing I think that we need to like let people know like be careful what you wish for man <laughs> because like it's not an easy journey man it's not an easy journey to freedom you know, there's, it's, yeah, there's, there's mountaintop experiences, but there's a lot of time in the valley, a lot of time climbing up and down yeah. and it's hard, man. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I don't think I, you know, I would never trade it for anything. I look at like, I look at my divorce, you know, the, the thing that crippled me the most, the, the hardest thing that I ever had to go through was my divorce. 
when my ex-wife left me. It was the hardest thing that I ever did. I had to go through. I could physically, I was physically manifesting pain in my body. The emotional pain was so great. I could not escape it. And I thought my life was over. And, and that's kind of when I'm, well, that, that's, I, you know, I, I encountered Jesus through all of that, through a series of events that happened. And I had the world, man, before that, like, it was incredible. The things that I've done, things I've done, I've done things that 99.9% of the world will never do. You know, things that you can't ever imagine. And I'll maybe talk more about it another day, but like, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade what I have today for all the private jets and private parties and thousand dollar outfits and private poker rooms and cigar rooms and Cadillacs and Lexuses and Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all of that stuff. I wouldn't trade any, I wouldn't trade it what I have today for any of that. And it's hard, but it's good. So that's got to be the message that you got to be, you know, prepared to, to fight these lies, right? It's not just a, and, and I think that's what makes me so mad about Christians. I know I'm ranting a little bit and running a little bit here, but like it makes me really mad. Really, really mad because I think it's a distortion of the reality of the situation when Christians run around and they're like, oh, well, you're just healed in Jesus' name. You're just, he-. and I know we probably have a little bit different theology, but like God has not moved that the healing theology that encompasses the people that I hang out with and the churches that I go to, he has not moved the theology from my brain into my heart yet, into my experience. I've seen glimpses of it. I've seen moments of it, like be healed in Jesus name. And that person's healed. I've seen it. I've seen miracles, but I don't see miracles all the time. 99.9% of the time I don't see miracles. And so I will pray for healing, but I think that the, 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 this, this idea that like, oh, it's my fault that I'm not healed, right? As the person who's praying or as the person who's receiving the prayer doesn't have enough faith or the person praying who doesn't have enough faith or whatever sort of theology you want to get into around that, it, it really pisses me off because it like, it almost like, well, I should be healed from this. You know, why am I not healed from this addiction or from this ailment or this problem that I have? Right? And and it and it just takes away from I think it takes away from the hard work that has to be done to discover what it is that's broken. Like I think that God's healing looks differently than we are portraying it to be. So the healing instead of this miraculous outside external healing that takes place is actually maybe supposed to be an inside job. And that God in his grace will take you and walk you through your healing on the inside so that you will be free. Because I do believe that it's God's will that everyone be free and healed. I definitely believe that. God does not want us to be broken and, and, and sit in our misery and, and, and filth. He wants us to move out of the muck and mire and into freedom. But we've got to move ourselves. And I think that it, it becomes 
I don't know. It it's just hard. It's hard to do, man. The picture I see is the, the did you ever watch that movie um uh Lamb, no uh the one with the horse Atreyu and the or the guy's name Atreyu and the uh there was the dragon dog that flew. It was back in the 80s. Oh, uh yeah. the never-ending never story. story. The never-ending story and the picture I get is this like horse as they're walking through the I forget what it was called but like the it was like the the bog of shadowy desires or something right and it was just like have you seen the movie yeah so the horse is like walking through the muck and the mud and he's like sort of making it through and then he gets stuck and he's like drowning in this and it's like this like struggle to get out of this mire this muck and i feel like that that's that's really like that muck and mire represents our brokenness and it's a struggle for us to like get out of it and it's not like god isn't just going to come and like pluck you out of it like oh my poor little child grab you and there we go you know you're free and healed and clear no it's a struggle it builds strength it builds character that's where integrity is is formed in your life yeah absolutely you're trained by it like the tough things build endurance and steadfastness and our faith in god and Absolutely. If he just took us out, because I think where I get confused often is thinking my behavior is the issue. And so I'm just like, God, take this away from me. Like, take away, like, let's say porn, for example. Take away porn. Like, just take this away. Yeah. Just take it away. Like, that's all I need. Yeah. But ultimately, the journey of it's not about behavior. It's about my perspective. It's about the renewal of my mind. Right. Like if he just took away the behavior, where would I be left? The broken thinking would still exist. Yeah, exactly. It's the renewal of my mind of knowing who he is, his loving kindness that endures forever his faithful love, mm-hmm. like he never leaves. If he just took away, if he made everything right in my life, why Why would I spend time with him? Why would I seek right. him out? Why yeah. would I need him in my life? Like, there wouldn't be a need, but I don't think He God's... would be my, like, he would be my, like, um, my casino god, yeah. you know, like, oh, just, like, my lottery god, yeah. right? Like, just exactly. this, like, doler out of, of of good things totally you know like i'm aladdin and he's the genie exactly <laughs> there you go that's exactly it. rub yeah. the bottle a couple times and oh you know yeah. hey man this is an issue like could you work this out for me okay awesome thanks i'm gonna move on with my life and the whole like mess christian message like a big part of it is your life's no longer your own <laughs> so like God's not in the business of just like having a bunch of people like free from addictions to just go live life however they want. He's after people who would know him and and represent him in this world. Like his love for the broken. Like yeah. you know, that's I think where we get mixed up is thinking this life is all there is. Because <laughs> if you think of this life as all there is, then it would make sense that 
God, you should just make everything good because this is all there is. Right. But this isn't all there is. He, like, he, it's like this crazy journey of seeing, would you really choose love and holiness? Like, you have an option. You can choose selfishness and living for yourself, or you could choose sacrificial living and putting others ahead of yourself when you have the choice and it's totally up to you what are you going to choose and that's that's getting down to the heart issue of our lives like that's what god's after he's like what are you going to choose are you going to choose yourself are you going to choose like me are you going to choose to love others or love yourself and and all that and so it's like all of life is learning to to put away our selfish desires to think of others ahead of ourselves and for some reason that's super important to god that we would choose that in this life now and somehow that impacts the future in eternity right right our life right. in eternity yeah, god yeah. see someone says man this is a person who, given the choice between good and evil, chose me, chose to die to themselves. Like, something about that, I think, moves his heart that makes all of this so worth it to yeah. him. Where this person, like, they never saw me. Like, they never had, like, some heaven experience. Yeah. They just, like... I made myself real to them, but they walked through this life, all the trials, all the temptations, and they kept coming back to me. They kept choosing life. They kept choosing love. They kept choosing to go through the pain and try to get free. I think something about that moves his heart where he thinks like these people are choosing to love me. Like, even though it's hard, it's painful, it's, I think it just moves them. Yeah, it like totally it does, man. Them, it totally does. Know? And that's an amazing thing. We yeah. have the ability to move the heart of God, to impact him in a way where he's like, oh my goodness, like my boy Rhett is choosing to go through the struggle. He's choosing to walk through it. Yeah, he doesn't do it perfectly. No one does, but we're not focusing on that. He's choosing to walk yeah. through it. Yeah. He's he's learning to love. He's learning to be healed in his heart and mind. He's learning to love his wife well. He's learning to love his friends well. Love his son well. Like yeah. he's he didn't stay in his brokenness. He right. didn't stay in all the things that quick and easy make him feel better the things he was good at smoking weed and getting drunk and being like a cool guy at the bar he chose to walk the narrow path knowing it's hard yeah <laughs> but he chose it anyway yeah. he's like that's my boy Rhett. i love him he loves me and i think like we wreck the heart of god and like no one can impact his heart like you can or how i can yeah, yeah you know like it's such an amazing thing it is an amazing thing that and i feel like i'm i feel like i've lost some of that childlike joy that you 
obviously just shared here, but I, when I hear that, I, I think of the, today, I think of, because I'm on this journey of discovering truth, I think, and I, I'm looking at it sort of from a utility, utilitarian perspective, I guess. So the utility of it or the, 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 the sort of the inner workings of what's going on. What I see is, and from the science that I've understood, is that those pathways are created. And remember I said that they get bigger and bigger the more we use them. Well, I think that when we begin to create new pathways, right, they become, they almost circumnavigate the old pathways and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the more we choose God, the more we choose the the right way to deal with things, the more we're aware of the emotional effect that situations are having on us. We choose to go through the pain instead of taking the easy way out. That highway becomes, or that road, in our, that map in our brain becomes rewired. It becomes like moved around. Right. And I think that's the beauty of the way that we were created is that we are actually rewiring our brains. We're actually like creating new pathways to to deal with our brokenness and, and, and actually ultimately the, the, the right way to, you know, the right roads to take the right decisions to make. I mean, those turn into, those are, those are, those are feelings, their emotions, then they, you know, their decisions and their actions and their, all of those things. Right. But when I think of that journey, like Jesus, God created our brains, God created us. He could rewire our brain just bap, like whoop, all of a sudden we do everything right, yeah. you know, but there's like this like process of like, oh, this is hard. And I actually have to choose this way instead of like taking what's, what's easy. Yeah. And this, there's just something that, that there's a lot of things that go in that, you know, that, that encompass that decision-making process, right? The awareness, there's, you know, the, the decision, the follow through, you know, the action, all of those things are in, in that process. And I think that that ultimately is the healing that God talks about when they shall all be healed. Right. My desire is that they will all be healed. Yeah. Right. And it's this, like this, this journey of just, uh, it's like trench warfare, man. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like trench warfare, you know, and Jesus is, I've always, I had this picture of Jesus, like, I can't remember when it came to me, but it was like, it was just this like revelation that I had that like, I had always imagined God was like up in the clouds and I was in the battle down on the mud and the mire. And I was like reloading my rifle and I was in the trench and I was firing shots and trying to, you know, advance. And I was like, struggling and I was wounded and I was, you know, it was muddy and dirty and cold and wet. And it was just this horrible situation. And I, and I remember like in this picture, this vision that I had, it was like sort of a picture in my mind. And I turned around and I looked over and Jesus was in there with me and he was handing me a new magazine for my rifle. <laughs> awesome. You know? Yeah. And it was like, Whoa. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you're in here with me? Yeah. He's like, yeah. Like, yeah. we're doing this together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere. Yes. And that changed my perception of the genie God. 
right? From this guy that was like standing there throwing out lightning bolts and money bags and all of these like things, you know, like, you know, he was just standing up there. He's like this ultimate doler. He was doling things out all the time, you know, whether it was punishment and judgment or it was goodness and blessing and miracles. Right. And it really, it, you know, it, 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 it changed my perspective, my perspective of who God is. Yeah. You know, what he, his role in our lives, impact in our lives. And... Totally. He changed how you saw him. Like you, you were learning to know him in yeah. a new way, in a different way. And that goes back to the mind, like the renewal of the mind. The Bible talks, especially the New Testament, talks so much about the mind. Like whether it outright says, like, be renew, like renew your mind, but, or, like it talks about knowledge, uh, wisdom, revelation, which is all stuff that happens like from our hearts to our minds. Like you talked about that, like God hasn't taken it from your mind to your heart. I think it's quite often it's like kind of different sort of like it's like it, <laughs> it goes from your heart to your mind. Like you see it. Like so. So, well, what I meant, what what I mean by that is that I I say, okay, I read something in scripture, right. and I understand it. It makes sense to me, right. okay. And then, but I haven't like experienced it, right? Yeah, yeah. That so it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's truth. It's a truth that's written in the Bible, yeah. but I haven't like experienced it. So I don't right. like. It's like. It's like, okay, here's a good example. I'm a chef. I spent a good 20 years in the restaurant business. I've run restaurants. I was the head chef of a restaurant at 18 years old. I know the restaurant business. I know I've I've experienced uh, the business side of it, what it takes to run and manage a restaurant and make money and increase sales and be profitable. And I've also experienced the food side of it, sort of the culinary, sort of the training side of it. I've been trained by French chefs that, you know, Culinary Institute of America in New York, right? Trained by two of their chefs. Okay. So I understand food. I don't know it all. I by no means know it all, but I know, but I know food, right? And I know the restaurant business. Okay. And... If I sit down and I watch the culinary or the food network, okay, let's just say that I don't know anything. And I sit down and I watch the food network and I see this amazing dish being prepared. And I go into my kitchen and I try and recreate that. And I fail, but I practice at it. And I get better at it. And eventually I nail it. And I get it become, become a good cook. Now I'm a good cook, right? I can actually make some dishes, okay? And I love it. It like lights my heart up. It makes me feel great. I'm going to go take a loan out now for half a million dollars and go start my own restaurant. You're an idiot. <laughs> right. You're an idiot. You are. You might as well go light that pile, that half a million dollar pile of money and go and burn it in the backyard yeah. and save yourself the stress because you have no experience. 
you can cook, but you have no experience in the restaurant business. Right. You have no idea what you're doing, where the, the, the pitfalls are and the things to watch out for and how to purchase food and how to store food, how to manage people, like how to manage your food costs and labor costs and your how to take care of your customers and like so that's the comparison that I like that's the picture that I see right right? is this idea that like I may know something I may even understand it but I don't have the experience yet to like own it yeah right and that took me that took me years man yeah like I think it was 10 years before I like 10 years in the business before I was like like good yeah. where I was like in my stride. Like I could make a decision and know it was the right decision, yeah. you know? And I think that that's part, like that's a picture of, of what this journey is like, man. hundred percent. That's such a good picture. Of it. That is so, 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 so true. Like when you experience it, that's when it's real. Like that's when it's real to you. And that's when it's, something that you could speak to that would actually impact other people's hearts. Yeah. You know, like I've read the Bible tons and I could explain concepts. Yeah. A lot people, of things. Yeah. But I only have a couple things that when I talk about them, I know that, you know, like I know this and it, when I share this, it impacts the heart of the person I'm sharing it with. Like often. There's the Holy Spirit's in it at that point. Like, I, I, the way it's like I, a first person testimony. Exactly. And God can confirm it. Like, it's like his stamp of approvals on this thing. Like, this guy knew it. He understood it. He lived it. I walked with him through it. I'm stamping my stamp on yeah. this. And when he speaks this thing, these words are going to be spirit and life. Because me. you're speaking for God, yes. right? You're speaking about God through, like, through you, with His authority. Yes, yes, that's a great way to put it. You could say authority comes through experience. Yeah, right. So nothing. I, well, okay. There's there's quite a few things that. I've, I've already mentioned one of them is the whole evangelism thing, but like, you know, the, you know, when people talk to me about like, Oh dude, I got this testimony. I'm like, Oh really? You got a testimony? Yeah. This guy I met that knew someone, he like, like God did this and like, da 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 da. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's not your testimony, testimony, man. (laughs) It doesn't mean anything to me. Like, like, there's so much BS out there, man, for lack of a better word. I think that there's a lot of Christians that are just, they just make shit up. Yeah. Dude, they just make shit up. They, they hear shit and they like, they're like, they perpetuate it because it sounds good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear your friend's story. Yeah. I want to hear it from them. Yeah. Like, yeah. look me in the eye and tell me your testimony. And then I will know, because that's when, like, that's when the authority's passed, yeah. right? Like, or the mantle or the, the anointing, right? It's not, it's not through, like, you know, we had that, exp- what was that story the other night that we were having dinner in our group and, like, oh, yeah. someone said, like, oh, 
um, this guy lost his pocket. Oh yeah, it was because it was I was telling the story about my Leatherman, yeah. right? And then the the story came out about this other guy that was like, you know, he had lost his pocket knife and then prayed to God right there in the hotel room, and boom, all of a sudden his like pocket knife was on the bed in front of him. Like that's bullshit, man. Like why do you why would you like perpetuate lies like that? <laughs> You know, and I'm talking about the person who originally started it, not the people like that are following and listening, because I think people like a lot of people, like until they begin to experience miracles and, and, and the miraculous from God, right. They don't, they don't know. Right. So they just, they, they, they digest whatever is like fed to them. Right. Yeah, totally. And the, what ends up happening, I see a lot is because people put so much stock in these other people. Like let's, let's use like Bill Johnson, for example, like I'm great man of God. I'm sure like whatever, but people put so much stock in him. Right. And what he says and what he's doing. Yeah. Then they just like, whatever he says goes and like, he said, this is happening and this is happening. Like, and Really they don't has, weigh it themselves. They don't weigh it themselves. No, and they, yeah. they they're not walking it through themselves. Yeah. Like this and then what I feel like what happens is people get caught up in wanting to see God do cool stuff. Like, man, like we're gonna go out and pray for people and God's gonna heal them. God does miracles, God does this. And they chase after the God who does stuff. And think that that's like, that's Christianity. But man, like the entire New Testament, like especially the epistles, the amount of times they talk about like God doing miracles versus the amount of time they talk about your character, your heart and your life and holiness being wrought within you, loving each other, like preferring others ahead of yourself. That stuff gets talked about a thousand percent more than miracles and signs and wonders. So I feel like there's almost like a a pendulum swing way too far. Like Lori likes to talk about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. The pendulum swings in Christianity and maybe signs and wonders and miracles kind of got lost and got swept under the rug for a few years And now, like, there's a new wave of Christians who are starting to believe that, man, God is a God of miracles and signs and wonders, and, like, he will heal. But that becomes Christianity to them. Right. Like, I'm going to be a guy who God uses to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Meanwhile, their heart and their character is so lacking. Like, there's no love. If you question them, on it's anything, all about them. It's all about them. All about Bill Johnson's preaching. Yeah. If you tell them for a second, like, oh yeah, Bill Johnson's great, but I don't think he's got it all figured out. Like, I think he's a man who's yeah. under construction, just like all of us. They would tear you apart. Like, oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I actually want to talk about this. Um, we're uh, we're almost at an hour here, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop this one. Um, thank you, Jack, for um, let's. We talked about lies. We finally got yeah, it done. Got and done. so, what we'll do is, I'll just uh, stop this one, and we'll uh, we'll go on with uh, we'll go on with another one if that's okay. Yeah.